And uh, it's a mother who was in a crisis. And I want to look at some of the lessons that we can learn from her responses to a crisis. Before I do that, I just got a couple of uh, comments here from some mothers, quotes from mothers of the past. Columbus's mother. I got a, there's Columbus. Columbus's mother said, I don't care where you've been or what you've discovered. Why didn't you write? <laughs> Michelangelo's mother. Why can't you paint the walls like all the other children? Thomas, Thomas Edison's mother. Of course I'm proud of this electric bulb thing. Now turn it off and go into bed. <laughs> um, so I want to look at, at the responses of a young mum that is this uh, circumstance that's recorded in the Bible and, and what we can learn from it. Matthew chapter 15, it's verses 21 to 28. I haven't put it up there. I've, I'm just going to read it out. So if you can, can either look it up if you're quick on your own app or your Bible, Matthew tw- uh, 15, 21 to 28. Or just uh, listen in as I, as I read out these verses. It says this, From there Jesus took a trip to Tyre and Sidon. They had hardly arrived when a Canaanite woman came down from the hills and pleaded, Mercy, Master, Son of David, my daughter is cruelly afflicted by an evil spirit. Jesus ignored her. The disciples came and complained, Now she's bothering us. Would you please take care of her? She's driving us crazy. Jesus refused telling them, I've got my hands full dealing with the lost sheep of Israel. Then the woman came back to Jesus, went on her knees and begged, Master, help me. He said, it's not right to take the bread out of the children's mouth and throw it to the dogs. She was quick, you're right. But beggar dogs do get scraps from the master's table. Jesus gave in, woman, your faith is something else. What you want is what you get. Right then, her daughter became well. This is a fascinating story. And, uh, and um, when you look at it on the surface, can bring some uh, confusion or some uncertainty about the way God responds to us in our time of need. Uh, but I want to look at, uh, we're going to talk about that, but I just want to look at three particular things that we can learn from this, from this woman, this young woman and the characteristics that she displayed in the middle of a crisis. Number one, she was desperate. Something had gone terribly wrong. For her, her daughter had been afflicted by an evil spirit, and she was desperate to see her healed. You know, it may not be a, a, a child, but oftentimes in our own lives, we, we uh, end up in a crisis, sometimes of our own doing, sometimes just circumstances, and in that crisis, in that circumstance, in that situation, um, sometimes we get desperate, sometimes we don't. This woman got to a point of desperation. You know, uh, there's a quote that I read that says, desperation is the raw material of drastic change. Now, sometimes we get into a crisis, maybe it's just in our own life, where we're at in life, maybe in our workplace, maybe in our marriage, maybe in a, uh, in a relationship. But we get to a point in our life where, where we just think something needs to change. Right here, right now, I'm sick of things being the way they are. This is a crisis moment. Just like this young mother said, something's got to 
happen with my daughter. This hadn't just happened. This has been going on for a while. And she got to a point of desperation. Desperation is the fuel that causes us to change. Oftentimes, we're, we've got a situation, we've got a crisis, or we're unhappy with something in our life, but we're not desperate enough to do what we need to do to see that circumstance change. Some things we can change, some things we need God to change, but desperation is the raw material of drastic change. Her desperation caused her to do something that went against her own paradigms and, and the bar- cultural barriers of the day. <coughs> Crisis can do that to you. When you get to a point of crisis, and you know what? Sometimes God allows crisis in our life. We say, why would a good God allow that? Because crisis, a moment of crisis, causes us to break out of our comfort zone, out of the well-worn tracks of doing life, where we just don't even need to think. We just, we're just going along this way, but Every now and again, there comes a moment or or an epiphany or a time where we go, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to do these things anymore. I'm not going to allow this situation to continue. I am desperate for change. I don't know if you've ever been at that point. You can relate to this young woman at this time, but crisis, if you're in a crisis right now, a, a point of desperation, then that can be a good thing because it causes you to do things, to think things, to look outside of the box, outside of the, the, the way you've been doing things in the past. You've heard that quote over and over again. The, the um, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. If we want change, if we want our life to change, circumstances to change, our finances to change, our relationship to change, our, our living conditions to change, it takes a point of desperation where you go, you know what, I cannot do this anymore. If you're at that point right now, you're in a good place, a good place for God to move and to empower you to go to a new place. Number one, she was desperate. Number two, she reached out to Jesus. Oftentimes in our desperation, oftentimes in our crisis, desperation can cause people to do a wide variety of things. Some bad things. If we look at what, you know, the news and things that are happening in the Middle East and some of these um, acts of terrorism, Oftentimes, people are in a, in a desperate um, financial position or, or a country's in a certain position that causes them to do desperate things. And so, in our desperation, we need to make sure that, that we don't just do anything, but that we turn firstly to the Lord. This woman, in her desperation, turned to Jesus. We must first go, God, I need things to change. I want things to change. You are the author of life. You are the miracle worker. Nothing is impossible for you. And so I come before you and ask, Lord, that you would initiate change. Now, sometimes we are um, we're hesitant to approach God with our life or our hopes or our dreams or, or, or our sense of uh, unhappiness. This particular woman 
she was approaching a religious leader. We need to put this in the context of the day. Here she is. She said, you know what? In her desperation, I'm going to this Jesus. I've heard that he can work miracles. He's healed other people. Number one, she was a Canaanite. So she was not of Jesus. She was not a Hebrew. She wasn't of Israel. She was outside of Israel. So for her to think, you know what? I don't care that I'm outside the circle. I'm going to go to this guy because I believe that he's good. You know, sometimes we don't have to be raised in the church, born in church, gone to Sunday school, gone through a whole process of religious training before we can come to God and say, now I'm okay for you to hear me. This woman was a Canaanite. We may come from a different background, different upbringing, different socioeconomic circumstances, educational circumstances. There is no barrier to our ability to call on God and say, God, I want to see change. No matter what has gone on in your life, no matter what your history is, no matter what your past contains, there is no barrier to coming to God and saying, God, do you see me? For her to even think that, she must have had a revelation, an encounter, a spirit that said, you know what, I believe I can go to this guy. And no matter who you are here today, Jesus is there with open arms. If you're on a point where you go, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of life being this way. I'm tired of dealing with the past, with the issues, with my upbringing. I'm tired of dealing with my financial circumstances. Tired of dealing with my own relational baggage that I bring into relationship after relationship. I want change. Now is the day. Now is the time to reach out. And there is no barrier before you, between you and God. But oftentimes in our own head, there is. She was approaching a religious leader. Women were not allowed to approach religious leaders. They weren't even allowed to approach men in the street. That was the culture of the day. And so in her desperation, she said, you know what? I don't care about the norms. I need an answer. And I'm going to do something outside of the box. And I don't care what the consequences are. You know, sometimes desperation causes us to... Um, do things that we may not otherwise have done. Our uh, etiquette and our decorum can go out the window. Anyone ever been late for an aeroplane at the airport? <laughs> You're walking along and then, Mr. Lucas, <laughs> your plane's about to leave. Oh! <laughs> you see these people tearing through the airport, running. Go for the airport, hair going everywhere. You see these women in high heels? <laughs> desperate. They're desperate to catch that plane. They don't want to have to wait another couple of hours or whatever. So all of a sudden, your, um, your what do you call it? Composure. <laughs> you don't care anymore about what people think. You don't care about what people say. You, you, you just want to get to that plane. Sometimes we're so worried about what other people are going to think, what other people are going to say, what they're looking at in our life, the decisions that we're making in regards to choices and getting ahead and breaking out of our past or, or trying to achieve at a higher level. We're so worried that people go, oh, who do you think you are? You think you're someone special? You think you're unreal? You're a nobody? I know you. 
uh, not for a while, but um, when I was, um, when we first started the church, it was 15 years ago now, but uh, I remember running into some of my old school friends. And I'd been a Christian for quite a while. They knew I was in church. I'd talk to them about church. And anyway, I started running into a few of them. I don't know if it was God or the devil, but anyway. And they, they're going, I heard you're running a church. Are you serious? We know you. <laughs> we know, remember this time? I'm like, remember when we did this? Remember when this happened? <laughs> Bringing up all the... How could you run a church? <laughs> and I'd say, because that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am. That is the past. That is gone. Jesus said, I am a new creation. The past has gone. The new has come. The day I was born again, my life started again. All those old ties, all those old um, experiences, all that baggage from the past was buried with Jesus Christ at that day. And now, and now I'm a brand new person. They didn't quite get that, but anyway... <laughs> But that's what we need to understand. When, when we come to Christ, all that's, the power of that stuff was broken. And walking in Christ is continuing to walk in that revelation, to not allow that stuff back, to hold us back. People of the past, comments of the past, experiences of the past that chain us and hold us back. This woman was not to prepared to let those paradigms hold her back from the answer that she knew was possible, to see her daughter healed. And, you know, um, I think it's a great analogy because, you know, mums, when, they, when their kids are sick, I don't know if, if you, when you were sick, when you were little uh, with your mum or, or those that have got kids and raising your kids or you see mums with their kids, when, they, when kids are ill... There is, a, there is a, a fight, there is a desperation that comes into a mother to do anything to see that child healed. And you know what? I think that spirit is important for us as believers that where we go, you know what? This thing that God has said is possible, that has said belongs to me in Christ. I am not going to let it go until I see it. Um. <coughs> So her desperation caused her to disregard issues of the past and barriers of the present. Do not allow mindsets, barriers, circumstances to hold you back from what God said is available to you in Jesus' name. Um, so sometimes our past hinders us from becoming coming boldly to Jesus. So she could have said, hey, who am I? I'm a Canaanite. I don't even belong to this tribe. Who am I to go to Jesus? Or we can think, oh, I did this in my past. This happened. Uh, you know, I've done some stuff. I've got regrets. There's things going on. And we can think that somehow that's a barrier. I've made mistakes. Not only have I made mistakes, I've made the same mistake over and over. And surely there's a point where Jesus goes, you know what? You're an idiot. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You just made the same mistake over and over and over again. And yet in the Scriptures, um, the Apostle Peter came to Jesus with that exact same question. So obviously it's a universal question where we think, you know, how many times can I stuff up before God says, that's it, you're a lost cause. And Peter says, how many times should we forgive? Like seven times? Meaning, you know, thinking, wow, you know, I'm just, I'm out there. 
And Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. doesn't matter how many times. And what he was saying is it doesn't matter how many times we mess up. It doesn't matter how many mistakes we make. It doesn't matter how many times that we fall down. Every single time we can get up, we come back to Jesus. And he is willing and prepared every single time to say, I love you. Come into my embrace. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you fulfill your purpose and your calling. I want you to, I want to see your life blessed through my son, Jesus. So number one, she was desperate. But, you know, desperation has to lead to something. Just being desperate. It was um, Henry Thoreau that said most men, and I believe probably women as well, live lives of quiet desperation. People are desperate everywhere. But does their desperation lead to the next step, which is action? But that's my third step. (laughs) So number two, she was desperate. Number two, but she was bold. Her desperation led to bold action. Many people are desperate, but they're not willing to do what's necessary to bring the change to their life that they're desiring. It may mean going back to school. It may mean getting a further education. It may mean dealing with some issues of the past. It may may mean meeting with someone and asking forgiveness or forgiving someone of the past. There's oftentimes barriers, things that we can do that help set us free to move forward into our future. And so we need to say, God, is there something that I can do? Because I want to I be bold. Um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're living in desperation. We want, we're in a crisis. We want things to change. But sometimes we won't admit we've got a problem. We won't admit there's an issue. Oh, no, it's all good. It's fine. It'll work itself out. No, no, I'm, I'm all right. Number one, we've got to look at ourselves and go, do I need to change? And if we do, say, God, help me change. Help me change the way I think. Help me change the the response. Every time I get in a certain situation, I respond the same way. Has anyone ever found that? Sometimes, you know, when Nick and I are in a a, um, intense fellowship. (laughs) That's the Christian term. But... um, and, and sometimes, you know, we have an argument or whatever, but I find myself responding the same way every time. And, and sometimes I walk away, I go, why? I keep doing that every single time. I respond the same way. I need to change. Number one, we also, we've got to be willing to look at ourselves to go, you know what? I need to change. I need to change. So sometimes we need to admit that there is a problem. Sometimes we're too proud to ask for help. We don't want to say, hey, I, I'm stuck here. Hey, I don't know how to do this. And um, I, I need help. And so being bold enough to say, you know what, I'm in a crisis, but I don't know how to get out of it. I'm going to go and ask somebody that has maybe been there or is, is where I want to go and talk to them and go, you know what, I'm stuck. I'm in a crisis. Help me. What can I do? What steps can I take to move out of where I am and go towards where I want to be? <coughs> Admitting we've got a problem. Not being too proud to ask for help. Or too afraid of failing. We've achieved a level of success or, or we've, we're at a certain point and we're not prepared to risk what we've got to take a hold of where we, what we want. We go, you know what? This is... And, and the older you get, the, the easier this is to go, you know what, I don't want to risk all this. 
It's taken me a long time to get to this point and I'm not happy with it. I don't like it. Um, but what if I lost it all? Well, then where would I be? Am I prepared to gamble all this to take a hold of that? And I believe that God, and there's wisdom and, and things that we need to pray about, but God does not want us to settle for what we have to let go of what we can have. To go, you know what? I'm just going to settle for this. Now, if you're happy with that, then that's okay. But if on the inside, you're angry, you're unhappy, you're not happy with life, you're not happy with what's going on. But just to go, you know what? I just, uh, I'm just going to live with it. I'm going to live with this. I don't believe that is God's purpose for your life. I believe that God puts visions, dreams, and hopes in our heart by the Holy Spirit that empowers us to take bold action, to step out in faith, to trust God, and to see these dreams coming to pass. So not being afraid of, of failure. And boldness is an attribute of the believer. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, love, power, boldness, another translation says. That's the spirit of the believer, the spirit of an overcomer, the spirit of someone that rises again, the spirit of someone that doesn't give in, that continues to reach out. And that's my third point. Not only was she desperate, which led to boldness, but she was relentless. If you read through that story, you can get the indication that Jesus was not interested. Have you ever prayed a prayer and felt like God's not listening? In your desperation, you cry out to God and it seems like there's a hand up going, talk to the hand. <laughs> I believe sometimes God doesn't answer because he's wanting to evoke within us a determination and a resilience that pushes through because to achieve anything, to gain anything of true significance takes effort, takes resilience, takes a relentlessness to continue to push forward despite opposition, difficulty, crises and challenges. That's the spirit that God puts within the believer to overcome. He wasn't saying, I'm not interested in you, woman. He was, I, I believe when he said, oh, you know, I'm called to the children of Israel. I can't tr throw the food to the dogs. I don't believe, if you look at the character of Jesus throughout the whole scriptures, that somehow he was being nasty or vindictive. I believe he said it with a smile. I believe he was going, come on, come on, come on, lift your faith. I can see there's something in you. I can see there's a resilience, there's a boldness. The fact that you even come to me shows that there's something on the inside of you. And he was calling it. He was pulling at it. He's going, oh, no, no, I don't know if I can give that to you. I don't know if I can. You're not even from Israel. Are you? You're not even from Israel. 
He was like saying, come on, lift up. Come on, continue. Be relentless. Do you really want this? Do you really want to see your daughter healed? Do you really want to see this breakthrough? Do you really want to see this change? Do you really want to see this answer? How desperate are you? How badly do you want it? Yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand. How badly do you want it? Boldness is in your DNA. Relentlessness is in your DNA. And so she's getting this pushback from Jesus. But then she says one word that I think released God's hand over his daughter. She said, Lord. Now that word in the original language meant that he wasn't just a teacher, he was the saviour. She'd heard about this Messiah. And she wasn't just saying, hey, you're a good man, you're a good teacher, you can do these things. She said, Lord, or Master is the translation in the message translation. At that point, she'd had an encounter. This is the saviour of the world. This guy is the Lord of the universe. I'm coming to God right now. And he's the God of every human being, not just Israel. At that point, she'd had a revelation of who God is, his love for humanity, his desire to heal. And at that point, he said, wow, what great faith. Why did he say what great faith? What were the elements that distinguished great faith from ordinary faith? And if we look at that story, it was the fact that she was willing she was desperate she stepped into boldness and she was relentless despite what seemed like seeming disinterest from heaven Jesus, the son of God's there going no, 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 not, not interested no, no, go away, I'm busy and yet she continued to press in you know what, the Bible says that whatever we ask for in God if we believe we've received it we shall have it you know when that scripture where it says, um, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, or knock, ask, knock, seek, that scripture in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the original language, it's in the continuous tense. Oftentimes when we read it, we think, well, if I ask and nothing happens, that means God doesn't want to answer it. But no, what it's saying is ask and ask and ask and ask and seek and seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and then your prayer will be answered. Then you'll get your breakthrough. Then circumstances are going to change. Then things are going to happen. A relentlessness, a determination, a point where you go, I'm not going to live with things like this anymore. They are going to change in Jesus' mighty name. At that point, heaven opens up, God moves, and things begin to change. But He's not going to change them without you. You are the answer to your problem. You are the answer to your crisis. Yes, God's going to move through you. Yes, He's the supernatural one. Yes, He's the one that answers prayer. But it's not going to happen outside of you responding, calling, being relentless, taking bold action and saying, I'm going to move towards the promises of God in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning.
Thank you, God. Why don't we stand?